You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Grand mal seizures are caused by abnormal electrical activity throughout the brain. It results in a loss of consciousness and violent muscle contractions and is the type of seizure most people picture when they think about seizures in general. Our guest today has used cannabis to help almost eliminate his grand mal seizures. And joining us from Colorado to tell his story is August Pace. August, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Now, when did you start using cannabis? When I was about 14 years old. And were you just a smoker? My cousins were older than me. They were like 18 and 19. And so one day I went to go hang out with them, and they decided to have me take about five gravity bong hits in a row. And I had a little scooter, like one of those little, it's like a razor scooter, but kind of like with a motor. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I had a ride home, I tried to ride home and I crashed and I crashed like three times. And the last time I crashed, I crashed and it bent the tire to the frame. And so I just carried the scooter home and I was so paranoid and scared that my parents were going to know I was high that I um, decided I'd get my homework and go up on their bed and do my homework. <laughs> August, you, you, you were you weren't high. You were wasted. Yeah, yeah. there's a tinge of a difference there. <laughs> well, I did have a good reason for that. During the day, they almost never went into their room, and so I knew if I went up on their bed, they wouldn't bother me up there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went up there and I started doing my homework and it was the first time I actually could focus on single questions at a time and I got the homework done. And I was like, wow, maybe if I smoke this not five gravities in a row, but maybe if I just had a little bit of this, I could actually focus and all the words, you know, I suffered from severe dyslexia. I could turn the book upside down and backwards and read more clearly than looking at it straight. So when you went to school, your grades were not that good until you started using cannabis. Is that correct? Yeah, I had a 0.7, and then the next report card after I smoked cannabis was a 3.2. And it wasn't – the problem wasn't the knowledge. I could – I understood all the knowledge in the class, and I got it. The homework was boring. I couldn't concentrate, and I'd get 100 on the test, and I couldn't understand why I had to do extra work. If I already knew the knowledge and I could get 100 on the test, why did I need to do that other stuff? A 0.7 is a failure. 3.2, that's that's a pretty good, uh, for those of us who are from the older generation, that's a pretty good B. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good. That's, that's remarkable. What did your parents say about your change? Um, well, right before that, the counselor had actually brought my parents in, and he pretty much right in front of me said I was a complete loser. I mean, he pretty much destroyed me. 
he pretty much, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how that person could ever be considered a counselor. He probably had a degree in psychiatry and the stuff that he said about a child in middle school is just, it's horrible, you know? So you were 14 then? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, that's, that's an age where you're judging yourself and wondering who you are and you're very impressionable. Yeah. Very impressionable. So this, August, this dyslexia, severe dyslexia, what forms in what, you know, what did that look like? Was that in, you know, besides words appearing backwards, et cetera, what other ways did that show itself? I mean, just, I'm, I'm colorblind. So there's certain colors that I can't see when it comes to red, green, and yellow at that time. I couldn't distinguish a lot of the time. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sixth Sense, but like my, from a baby to, you know, I smoked cannabis. My life was kind of like the Sixth Sense. Uh, it's a little bit weird to describe, but I was kind of having dreams and, premonitions and it just felt like entities and spirits were attacking me from every angle i'm interested august about uh your use of cannabis and the the time you used it the very first time then you went and did your homework a light must have gone on for you think ah it actually was the first time i met my best friend (laughs) and cannabis kind of told me like hey all that shit those people said about you that's not true all those entities and things attacking you, uh, trying to discount your self-worth, that's not true. Mm. You're, everybody has this same value. Everybody has this value, and it's not about how much money you can make. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about the things that you do. It's about the quality of the person that you are and how you treat other people. And it kind of lit a fire inside me that, like it was the first time I, instead of feeling like a victim, I felt like all those things that were attacking me, now they were on the run, and here I come, you know? Yeah, it's not about what's outside of you, what you accumulate. It's about yeah. what's, in, what's inside of you. And I think, I mean, I hear so many stories of young kids who have been admonished negatively by counselors and by teachers and that stays with you all of your life. And uh, some people manage to break through it, and other people don't. It becomes their identity. They feel as though they are not of worth. And I'm sure you must have felt that way when the teacher uh, told your parents what uh, he thought of you. Yeah, and having a dad that has PTSD at that time, that was probably the worst time because that was when my dad had finally gotten to the point where he could no longer even be a police officer. And so not only did he have PTSD, now he couldn't work. And so he was spending his days like working in the garage. He was trying to start a um, business where he was doing basically – um, repairs like fixing, putting in new water heaters and furnaces and stuff like that because he's good at that kind of stuff. And so um, he he got like three thousand dollars with the tools and he had like a truck with the locking toolbox and someone came and stole like the three thousand dollars with the tools from him. So he was like drinking in the garage, 
totally losing his shit and my family was just falling apart and everything was just falling apart and so you know the the school and all those things it was just like a nightmare so august as life went on for you when did you get start getting your grand mal seizures um like many of your guests have talked about uh spice and the synthetic compounds Mm -hmm. Being a glass blower, I sell a lot of glass to different head shops. And so at that time in Salt Lake, um, yeah, it was uh, probably 10 years ago or eight years ago. I don't know how long ago. Whenever F- Spice first came out, um, I sold glass to a shop and the kid was like, oh, there's this new thing. It's Spice. All the police officers love it because they don't get drug tested. All the firemen are coming in and buying it. We're selling this much of it a week. Here's a sample of it. Try it out. And I had um, tried buying the hydroponic catnip from High Times, like the fake weed that High Times sells. Mm -hmm. And it's basically hydroponic catnip. You know, it doesn't get you high. It kind of looks like Bud, but they're just scamming people, basically. And so I didn't really put too much thought into what Spice was. He just gave me a sample of it, and it sat in my shop for months. And one night I was making an order, and I was staying up late, and marijuana is kind of like my fuel and motivation. So it was like I needed to get this order of 100 pipes done and i had no weed and in utah you can't call somebody at four in the morning to find weed and i saw that spice sitting there and i loaded the bowl up and i tried smoking it and it ruined my life what happened i he woke up in my shop i didn't know what happened i thought someone had broken into my shop and hit me in the head i was sitting in the chair kind of hanging halfway out of the chair i didn't even know what was going on it was like i woke up and didn't know who I was. And so I immediately drove to my house. Well, I I had forgot that I had recently moved, so I went to my old house, and the key wouldn't open the door, and I couldn't get in. And then I realized, like, oh, yeah, I moved. And by the time I got to the my other house i i got on the front lawn and i just started projectile vomiting and i was just having seizures but i didn't know what it was i didn't know i was having seizures yeah you didn't equate the spice to your seizures so spice is a full antagonist thc and those other things on the endocannabinoid system are only partial antagonists so that was a full antagonist and with my brain my all this problems i was already going through mm-hmm. you know some people smoke spice one time and have seizures till they die you know just keep having seizures until they die and so i um basically started having seizures and I was going through so much stuff at the time. A few days before that, a guy ran a red light and almost uh, T-boned me. And in order to not get hit directly, I swerved and I hit a telephone pole. And the car I was driving at the time had one of those bad airbags. And so it really just punched me right in the face and knocked me for a loop. And so at that time, a bunch of different stuff happened along with the spice that it wasn't until years later. And I saw that everybody else on spice and I studied the endocannabinoid system that I realized like that was the thing that started it off. How many seizures were you having as a result of it? So I was having 
seizures at least twice a week. And with these seizures, anything could trigger them. If I shave my head, if I shave my face, the stimulation of my face, if I took a shower, if I ate the wrong food, if it was a full moon, it pretty much was just chaos. And I would just fall in the fucking shower and my family would find me and I... A lot of times I'd wake up and my jaw would be dislocated. Some people bite their tongue. I actually open my mouth so wide that my jaw locks. And so the first time that happened, I woke up and my jaw was locked. I didn't, I didn't even know I was having seizures. I honestly, I felt like I was having a psychedelic trip through hell. That's what it felt like because I had done ayahuasca. I've done DMT. I've done mushrooms. I used drugs in the way to, explore myself not escape i never tried to use drugs to escape or get away but i always tried to go deeper and try to figure out more myself and so i had already used those psychedelics i knew what that felt like and i knew what a bad trip felt like and those seizures and before the seizure i have an aura and so i know it's coming and it's like the worst psychedelic trip you could have August, when you see this uh, aura, yep. what? To, how do you prepare yourself knowing that you're going to have a seizure? Mm, just really depends. And the auras come in a lot of different shapes and forms. If you talk to anybody who's been around me when I've had them, it might range from an alien abduction to they're coming, hurry, they're coming, to weird shit like get the papers, get the papers, you know? <laughs> so I will come up to the person and I'll be doing stuff and I at some certain point I check out but I'm still like acting. No, did you go to the doctors about your seizures and what did they tell you? I did. And so the first time my jaw dislocated, I um went to the emergency room because I thought I was going to die. I couldn't even talk. I thought I got bit, like I thought I had rabies or, you know, like I thought I was going to have a stroke or something. I didn't know. I could not talk. I couldn't move my jaw. I was projectile vomiting with a locked jaw. So it was like a horrible combination. So I went to the um, emergency room. They told me that I had a dislocated jaw. They put me to sleep like they would do surgery. They put your, their thumbs in your mouth and they basically just pop your jaw back into place. And so if you can imagine, every time I had a dislocated jaw, I was having to get put under... Um, anesthetic? Under, yeah, under anesthetic. And so I'd get put under anesthetic. And so, sorry, there's so much stuff to these seizures. It's So the auras would come. Mm-hmm. It's basically like an alien abduction. Then I wake up from the seizure. Depending on how long I hold my breath and how bad the seizure was, I might not even know who I am. I might have complete amnesia. And so sometimes I'd wake up in the hospital in a hospital bed and I start ripping the IVs out of my arm and attacking people because I, you know, last thing I knew, I was getting abducted by aliens and now I'm in this room. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So these these grand mal seizures, did you tell the doctors they started when you were taking spice? I told them everything that I could. And at that point on, I just started trying to figure it out because every time I was getting a seizure, I was going in for uh, every kind of scan that they had. 
and lord knows a lot of those scans are not healthy for you Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't find anything. There's no abnormality in the brain. There's no tumors. There's no cancer. I'm trying every test, everything that I could possibly do. And I'm just finding out that doctors really don't know anything about seizures. So the electrical activity in your brain was fine? Yep. Oh. Until I until I ate those foods, and then, then it would the electrical activity would be overstimulated. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you start using cannabis, and how does, uh, again, as opposed to spice, when did you start using cannabis to help you with your seizures? I started having the seizures in Utah, and then eventually I had moved out to Colorado. And um, I was trying all different types of cannabis, and right around Christmas one year, um, I had some... Uh, BHO, some oil, and I decided to eat the whole gram um, raw, not heated up. And that was actually the first time I didn't have a seizure for a month. So I went from, you know, multiple seizures a week to not having a seizure for a month. So you took the whole gram at one time? And just ate it, yeah. Wow. Man, and so, if I did so, that, I'd feel as though I was being abducted by aliens. <laughs> was this not decarboxylated? Not decarbed. Okay. And so that's what. So that's what a lot of people don't realize. I found the best for my seizures, and it might. It probably for a lot of other people too. Is that the raw oil actually works best for the healing process, not for pain and for the other stuff, obviously, but for the healing process what a lot of people you know there's a lot of hype around the cbd right now and what cbd can do and that's obviously it's a new thing and it is legal in a lot of places it doesn't get you high and so it's got a lot of momentum and so what a lot of people don't realize is that cbd is thc's helper it helps THC in a lot of ways. It does its own thing too, but it barely reacts on the cannabinoid receptors itself. It has more to do with the immune system and the central nervous system. And so everybody's going for CBD for seizures, and they don't realize that a lot of times you need high THC, yeah. and you need it in the raw form. THCA. Yes. So if you think about, I think it's CBG. CBG... Uh, sorry, it's the morning, and there's so much information. I can't remember the exact details. I'm not a scientist either, but I'm pretty sure CBG is the precursor, and it can turn into THC and CBD. If you put that in your body, your body, through the different inflammation and what's going on in your body, I think your body knows how to process it and turn it into what you need. So you, you didn't have a seizure for a month. Were you taking, uh, were you taking it daily? No, I just I just ate the one gram. Okay. I was still smoking, but you know I just ate that one gram, and I I, I noticed too. I I noticed that I wasn't feeling the auras all the time because I would have auras, and I was learning how to breathe through it and try to control the different parts of my brain through thinking so that I wouldn't have the seizures. And so a lot of times I was avoiding having the seizures. I'd feel like I was going to have the seizures, but. I wouldn't have the seizure because I would breathe or I would stop 
going down the rabbit hole so when those auras first started happening and i didn't know it was the seizures at that time i was also lucid dreaming and doing all these different other meditation techniques and i was having like you know the car crash there's there's so much different stories i know that it's limited time so i'm trying to like give you the no, Short that's, version. No, that's fine. You can uh, go go on as long as you want. Now, as after you're taking the first gram, you don't have any seizures. When did the light go on and say, "Aha, that was it. That helps me." Um. Well, the f- the first time I smoked cannabis, and then I started doing my homework, and then my grades got better. That's when I started doing the cannabis cannabis research and i started flipping over every rock that i could find any book that i could find about cannabis anything i could find about cannabis i knew that we were being lied to i knew that the disinformation was out there and it it was my job to like find out the truth and so i already knew about the healing properties i already had been using cannabis to heal people way before my seizures like um for instance like for women when they have a period if you take some of the flour just like a uh the amount you would normally put in a bowl and you crush it up and then you put it in some hot water like tea with some honey or some lemon and have them drink that their cramps are immediately going to go away and so you know there's a lot of different things that i was already doing to use cannabis for medicine and help as medicine and so i was trying everything to try to figure out i know cannabis helps with seizures and so i was trying you know rick simpson oil i was trying heated oil i was trying eating the flour eating edibles i was trying everything and so that's why i tried just eating the gram straight up because i had extra and so i was like why don't i just try eating it raw you know i'm just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at this thing trying to figure out how to shut it off you know yeah you were experimenting on yourself yeah yeah when was the last time you had a seizure um i would say about two weeks ago and so now with the seizures basically whenever i have a seizure it's my fault i get to the point where i haven't had a seizure for a year or six months or a prolonged period of time and i know the foods that i'm not supposed to eat and i know the stuff that i'm not supposed to do that will trigger a seizure and so after a year i'll say to myself oh i don't have seizures anymore And then I'll go on a week straight of just eating all the stuff that I shouldn't eat and doing all the stuff that I shouldn't do. And then I'll have a seizure again and be like, yeah, I knew that was coming, you know. Yeah. August, August, give us uh, an idea of some of the foods that uh, are are triggers for you. Mm Mm-hmm. So, one, if if you look at the packaging of food, corn and soy is in everything. And so corn oil and soy oil, that's one of the main culprits for people with seizures. And corn, the, and, corn and soy are big GMO products. Yes, they are. Yeah. And so, yeah. so what, what people don't realize about that is that it's the pesticide that's really going to get you. 
And so if, if, if no bugs will eat that plant and they can pour so much pesticide on it, nothing will touch that plant. When you eat that plant, you're consuming it. And when they extract those oils and they are making those concentrated corn syrups, you're taking all that in. And we don't have a lot of experience with these processed foods. You know, if you look at the pattern from 1960 to now, the population doubled. So obviously the processed foods have made it easier for us to get access to food, but it also has caused a ton of health conditions because we haven't eaten these foods for very long our genetic makeup isn't ready for this all this new stuff you know that's right and so so the, corn, corn, corn and soy are two big ones for you msg so msg you know monosodium glutamate that is one of the main culprits because it acts on the areas of addiction in your brain. And so it acts on the area of your tongue called umani, which you have, you know, the salty and the sweet. Well, it's its own taste. And so it acts on the area of your brain that connects to heroin use and, and the reward system. So when you go and eat that dollar menu hamburger, it's it really tastes like crap. But the chemicals they put it in have hijacked your system, and you're saying, oh, this is great. I love this. I want more of it. Give me more. And so it hijacks your brain, and it tricks you. And so those foods are the main culprit for me. Those hijacking foods, if I eat those foods, oh, immediately I can feel it coming. Yeah. Is the Has the aura changed at all as a result of your cannabis use? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I've got I've gotten to the point where um, I I was holding my breath so long I get brain damage and so me and my brother were on the Olympic speed skating team and so we would um, we would smoke weed before we'd even warm up and then we'd go run five miles we'd ride our bikes to the top of the mountain as far as you could ride your bike and then we'd climb to the peak where there was snow during the summer. See what I'm saying? So we were smoking cannabis and we were highly active. And so I could hold my breath underwater for a long time. And I think that's the only reason why I'm still alive today because I was holding my breath for so long. I think any normal person would have died, but because I was already good at holding my breath, I could already do that, that I didn't die, but I would still, every time I'd wake up from those bad seizures, I'd have to learn how to blow glass again. I'd have to try and remember everything again. It was a nightmare. So you were on the U.S. Olympic speed skating team? We trained with the speed skating team. I didn't, I realized really soon after watching all the guys on the team hmm. that I didn't want to commit my life to just one thing and wearing these silly skates and not winning a medal and then being depressed like a lot of them end up, you know, you, you, you get those couple chances to win the medals. And if they don't, it's like they dedicated their whole life and every day and just hour after hour to get the skill. And then they're, you know, they kind of lose or whatever. And then they, their life turns into this negative thing and there was a lot of them on the team a lot of the older guys on the team and i saw that and my brother he won a couple um medals at the utah winter olympics um mm -hmm. i trained and i did some races but it was something that my mom was pushing on me more than i wanted to do you know we were on the wrestling team we were you know it was like she was pushing us to do all these things to get us get our energy you know we were we had so much energy it was like she's like we i got to get these kids exhausted somehow 
<laughs> don't don't say nasty things about your mom. She might listen. Oh no. So no. August, where's your where's your cannabis use at now? Like what what's a, what's the day look like for you? So I eat the oil. Um, when, once I found the oil was good, I started eating about a, a grain of rice a day. That that size of the decarboxylated oh. or not decarboxylated? Both. Uh, both. So I would eat I would eat edibles and smoke, but I'd always eat the raw oil. I'd always eat the decarbed oil, like a grain of rice a day. Um, right now, I don't use cannabis that much, and you know that's it. Kind of goes in ebbs and flows. There's parts of my life where it's like all day, every day, and there's times when it's not very much. Um, I have a daughter that's almost two now, and it seems like when her mom got pregnant and right around the pregnancy, I was feeling so high, I didn't even need that much cannabis. I was just eating oil. I stopped smoking for almost a year because when I would smoke, it was just like, whoa, I I can't take this. It's too much. Mm. Now, you grow your own, don't you? Currently, I don't right now, but I have in the past, yes. Okay. Tell us about your glass-blowing business and what that's all about. Once I started smoking cannabis, I realized that I wanted to live that sort of lifestyle. And I managed a head shop, and I was selling pipes, and I was kind of into that culture. And so I met glassblowers, and I realized that there were people making pipes. As a younger kid, I had books from um, about the American Indians and shaman and the pipe makers and the tradition of pipe making. And um, as soon as I started smoking, I started making anything I could find into bongs and pipes. One of the first bongs that I made, I stole the respirator from one of my dad's CPR kits. You know, the thing that they squeeze to, like, bring you back to life. And so I turned that into a bong. Basically, it would it, it shoots the smoke into your lungs for you. Does your dad know you stole it? Yes, he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were going to tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the So, unfortunately for my parents, you know, um, I would be preaching about weed every day and they would be like shut up you know everything everything was linked to weed and i always had a story about how that was connected to weed and they were like no you're wrong shut up and you know i'm telling them you're going to be able to walk into a store and buy it one day you guys are all wrong and i'm just like telling them and and now, you know, you talk to my dad. He's a cannabis user. He's yeah. completely supportive. They've seen they've seen the light, you know. They've seen the truth in that. And so, fortunately for me, the investment paid off and you know, I was right. <laughs> and so, I was eating horribly. I was staying up till 3 in the morning, you know, blowing glass. I'd go to Taco Bell and eat the Taco Bell menu, and I would eat horrible food. So I started really looking into all the foods, and I started looking at all the labors. And like Bob told you, cancer is a feeds off sugar, correct? And so every product on the market, 80% of them have sugar in them. 
so pretty much you're feeding your cancer and cancer is just a cell that doesn't want to die you know it gets a blood flow it gets oxygen and it basically wants to stay alive and so what they'll tell you about thc is it kills cells like it's a bad thing and they'll tell you oh thc it kill it, it causes cell death and if you look they'll so basically what i'm trying to say is you can't say that there's not enough research but then also have it as a schedule one to where you can't do research there's 13,000 studies on the endocannabinoid system and they act like there's no research done if you go you can watch right now the whole pharmaceutical industry they're trying to come up with synthetic cannabinoids as quick as they possibly can and recently last year they tried to do a endocannabinoid study in France, and they had an endocannabinoid called BIA, and that endocannabinoid ended up killing at least one person in the test. And so they're, they're testing these synthetic cannabinoids when we have the natural cannabinoids ready and available, and they're killing people, and they're acting like it's not a big deal. And ca- cannabis is completely non-toxic. And so in the pursuit to find these synthetic cannabinoids, you're going to kill people when we already know that the natural ones don't kill people. I think that's uh, crime, yeah, you know. It's the pursuit of the almighty dollar. August, it was uh, very good of you to tell your story. Anything you want to say in conclusion? Yeah, I think that people, they really need to be aware of their health. They really need to think about the things that they're putting into their body. And um, I think that, you know, everybody can, the things that you really want to avoid is saying like, you, there's no cure for this and that it's never going to get healed. And so as long as you have that in your mind, you're never going to get better. You're never going to you won't get better. See what I'm saying? And so you really need to have in your mind that the things can change and that that you can heal. Right. August, great of you to do this. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, August. Yep, thanks. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.